Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Rightio, let's get into the first day of the Ashes and uh, we're going to talk to uh, Simon Hughes about it. Now, Simon Hughes played 205 first-class games, basically um, for Middlesex, and most of his career is at Middlesex, of course. Where did Middlesex play? At Lords. He also played uh, for Northern Transvaal and Durham, and, uh, of course, Aucklanders uh, back in the day might remember him having uh, a little stint too with the Grafton Cricket Club. He's a, an analyst, a well-known analyst, in fact, the best analyst uh, in TV uh, a TV in terms of uh, putting together packages for review and analysing play. Uh, he's also an author with a number of uh, publications, including an award-winning book called A Lot of Hard Yakka. He is uh, a bit of a character, this bloke, and it's a real uh, pleasure for me to bring him onto the show this morning. Simon Hughes, good morning to you. Morning. Morning, Scott, Absolutely. Uh, you, I was right? really... Yeah, I'm really, really good, mate. Um, 3.39 for five. Let's look at the first day of the Ashes, first of all. 3.39 for five. Um, you'd have to say, being stuck in the bat, Australia's day, clearly. I've just been hit by a rabbit that's fallen off a shelf in this hotel uh, lobby that I'm sitting in. Very strange. Um, it's, a, it's a, not a real <laughs> rabbit. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a stuffed rabbit. Uh, I'll just put it on the, the hotel lobby uh, bar. Yeah, it was a it was a poor day. Uh, I mean, I think it's funny actually because the uh, excitement when Stokes won the toss and announced he was going to bowl first, there was a, you know the typical roar of excitement from the crowd as you'd expect, as you heard yourself from being at Lords many times. Actually, you know, a roar, which is quite rare at Lords. Everyone's a bit kind of refined and a bit quiet, but they were quite excited. And by the end, you could see people walking home looking a bit dispirited because the, the whole excitement had gone out of it. It was it was like the sort of bur- the balloon had burst and all the air kind of ex- expelled. So it was a, a bit dispiriting day. Smith, who, you know, England is sort of eminent, enemy number one in, in a nice way, uh, just, you know, dominated. And there's always been this kind of, there's, there's a constant question. How do you get Steve Smith out? And we've never been able to answer it. And you know, I've, I've actually figured out the best way of getting Steve Smith out. I think it's getting the spider cam to fly low and near the wicket. Because there's no other way <laughs> of getting him out in England. The only way is annoying him, distracting him, getting someone to move about by the sight screen or something. Because balls just don't get him out. So you've got to kind of find another way. Right, some hard questions then. No wickets for Anderson and Broad. What's uh, what's going on there? Nothing for those two who normally in their pomp would pick up wickets there quite simply. Totally agree. Uh, the, the, I think Jimmy, we're, we're seeing the last days of Jimmy, a bit like the last days of Putin. We're seeing the last days of Jimmy. And uh, I, I think it's just age is just starting to catch up with him. I mean, to, to give a sort of technical assessment for a minute, He's lost his outswinger, to be honest. And, uh, you know, that was his kind of go-to thing. That was his default. 
that was his uh, exciting delivery, that late outswinger that got so many batsmen in trouble. He can't bowl that anymore. He only basically makes it go in or across the left-hander and he's a bit more predictable. And I think he's just struggling a bit. You know, he's looking a bit labouring in the field. So, you know, he's accurate. He's still an absolute master of control. But he's not got that waspish, you know, really devilish swing anymore. And Broad actually bowled bloody well in the last game. You know, he got the, he got he got his tail up. But today, I, I mean, whether you know, when you're 36, we, we've all got a bit older. You know, obviously in the last few years, and it's difficult to sustain your intensity, isn't it? You know, when you're playing test matches fairly back to back, I think it, you know Broad was brilliant in the last test. Uh, now I sort of feel like he's you know he's not shot his bolt exactly, but he just didn't look as if he quite had that cutting edge that he had in the last test, and that's because he's 36. Jimmy's 40. Stockley, he's played 180 test matches, Jimmy Anderson. 180 test matches for a fast bowler. There, there is going to be some wear and tear there, and I think we're starting to see it. Yeah, I, I, sadly, I, I think um, I think you're right there, and I, I hope at some stage in the series we see a bit of the real Jimmy Anderson. But at the moment, it looks like Australia have uh, have his measure at, uh, at the po- at this point. Look, uh, you mentioned uh, Steve Smith. I thought the crucial partnership, though, the one that really sealed the deal for Australia on the day was with Travis Head, 77, 14 boundaries. I mean, uh, Simon, they, with all the research that uh, teams do these days, do they not realise that uh, Travis Head can play the short ball? Well, yeah, I, I think it's, it's a good one. It's a good point, actually. He can't play the short ball if it's a surprise delivery. But if it's, a, if it's you know, you know that it's coming because every man is on the leg side behind the square and there's no mid-off or mid-on, you kind of know what's coming, don't you? So... I think it was telegraphed a bit too much by England. He he does have trouble with the short ball, but it's been so kind of written about and illustrated and almost sort of thrown in his face that he now can stand back on his thumbs and play like a baseballer. So I think England lacks a bit of guile. Uh, you know, when when you want to get a batsman out who's struggling against a short ball, you mix it up. You bowl normally and then you shock him with a really good short ball. But England just bombarded him with short balls and he knew what was coming and, and he actually I mean he got him time the ball to death. He was he, he was brilliant. No wonder his batting average I think in the last two years is about eighty. Because just anything slightly offline whistles to the boundary. I thought um just looking at Ben Stokes, three overs, three token overs for twenty one runs I don't think he's anywhere near 100% fit. In fact, uh, he's, he's looking decidedly old in the park to me. And, of course, the burden of captaincy as well. Um, Stokes the, I don't think it's going to be Stokes the all-rounder very much more, if at all. I think you're right, mate. I, I, I mean, he's on one leg. You know, he, he looks really vulnerable. And I, I feel for him because that leg is, is it's held together with tape and safety pins. Uh, left leg and uh, you can't bowl you know in a test match in that sort of situation um, obviously his batting is still great but you know what he, in, against Ireland which was a couple of tests ago he, he won the test and he didn't bat or bowl and I think it's the first time that a captain has ever done that won a test match and didn't even bat or bowl even you didn't do that did you? No I never did not once so yeah you're right I mean it, it's um, it's a worry um, the 
you need that fifth bowl option which Stokes when he's fit provides and, and yeah there's nothing there you know he can bowl three or four overs and then he's he's limping away and you know, 80 miles an hour it's no good so I mean, look I predicted 3-1 Australia at the start of this series and I'm thinking it's, that was that was a conservative it could be 5-0 Wow, okay. Um, that coming from uh, a, a devout English uh, cricket man too, uh, folks, to be fair, but um, in partisan, I think it's... Fi- yeah, you do sound like Glenn McGrath. Hey, um, just finally, uh, Loz, before we let you get back to um, what you're doing, um, I, I just want to know, uh, what do you think will be the upshot of the findings by this Independent Commission for Equity is on widespread discrimination and racism, sexism, classism and elitism? I mean, you know, uh, you, 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 your, your playground was Lords. Um, you know these people. You know the institution that Lords was. Sure, it was elitist. Sure, it is uh, a situation where um, you know uh, men only in the in the in the Lords Pavilion for a long time. Uh, they've knocked uh, Eton versus Harrow on the head. Uh, they've knocked Cambridge versus Oxford on the head in terms of playing there because that's seen as elitist. What next? Actually, you're wrong about that. that they re- resurrected Eden B. Harrow and Oxford Cambridge, actually. Uh, that, that was right. It, it, it was ostracised, but now they've, they've brought it back because of members' complaints. Look, I, I think the, um, the report is pretty drastic. It's pretty alarming. I don't think our game is in as bad a state as is portrayed, actually. I think, really, and you, you all know this because you were part of the documentary I made about the World Cup uh, that England won in 2019. I'm sorry to say it, New Zealand's expense. But that team, that English team, was very much representative of modern Britain. It was very diverse. It had a, a, a Mark Wood from Northumbrian mining village. It had Adam Rashid from a poor Bradford a community that the, the Muslims, that he, you know, he practices in, in a mosque, that prays in a mosque. It had Moen Ali from a poor area of, of uh, Birmingham. It had Jofra Archer imported from Barbados. You know, you couldn't get much more diverse than that. It had Owen Moore as captain of a fairly ordinary community in Ireland. So I don't think you can accuse English cricket really of being totally undiverse. There are issues. We could be better. But the, the simple solution is more cricket in state schools. And I can't remember what the situation is in New Zealand. But in England, there are no cricket players in state schools. There's no cricket playing in state schools. If you did have that, it would solve all our problems because it would get it in the cities, it would get at multiple communities, it would get at the, the poor and the rich uh, as well. So, you know, that's our problem. We don't have cricket in the state schools. It's a public school sport. When I say public school, I mean private, fee-paying school. If they, they sustain the game and they get the blame for making cricket elitist, but actually, without them, there wouldn't be any cricketers because state schools don't play cricket. So that's the solution to our problems. I don't think it's as bad as is portrayed by the report, but we could always do better. Simon Hughes, uh, yours great to catch up with you. It's been a long time, and uh, I look forward to the, uh, when we can, um, <coughs> we can uh, have a taste and, and catch up on... Catch up old times, and I think you owe me a couple. So thanks for staying up this late because I know normally you're not a night, be- night up, not a night owl. I'll go back to my 15th pint, all right? Yeah, I, I think you will too. Good on you, boy. Uh, Simon Hughes there out of London.